Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. Okay, so the first person I want to highlight on this best of episode is going to be Bennett Maxwell. Now, Bennett Maxwell is actually been highlighted on our list of people that you should be following. He is the CEO of Dirty Dough, who has just recently been sued by Crumble Cookies. Um, and that's a whole story that you want to get into. But there's a specific thing that he did that Doug didn't think was possible, and he sold his sales organization. And we're going to play a clip on just how he did that. Let's take a look. I'm not thinking that I'm ever going to sell, sell this organization. I'm, I'm thinking that I'm going to pass it on to my kids and they're going to run it someday and it's going to be able to print money for them, right? Uh-huh. Um, so what got that in your, in your mind? Um, I also didn't think I was ever going to sell. I thought I was going to do it for you know, a few years, make some good money, and then until I found out what, what else I wanted to What's do. What's next? Yeah. So it was kind of just a, a guy that I'd worked for, um, or with on um, one preseason, so I didn't mm-hmm. know him a ton, but Jason Newby um, at Vivint. Okay. So he moved to San Diego, and he is a phenomenal salesperson, phenomenal recruiter. And he had like 40 guys selling through uh, you know, a few different installers. Right. They were just starting, so they had big volume. Um, anyways. And, Their operations were But, but, but the operations rough. weren't set up. Yeah. Like, they, they just weren't set up at all. Yeah. Where we had, I don't know, we were doing like 20 or 30 a month, um, so nothing crazy. But we had a, a good back in operations, and you know I was running the cookie company mainly, so like I I st- wasn't even insular mm-hmm. a ton at that yeah. point. I was mainly doing the cookies. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had we had just hired a really good ops person, and then they had a team, and then you know like a regional manager, and then they were overseeing some some great managers. Gotcha. Um, and they were kind of running running the show. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> anyways, Jason reaches out and he's like, "I want to buy your company." I thought he was just bullshitting me. And I'm wow. Like, okay. And I'm like, yeah, that, yeah, I'll talk to my brother. Didn't talk to my brother. And then like two weeks later, same thing. And I'm like, yeah, I'll talk to my brother. Didn't talk to my brother. Uh-huh. And then they went um, and met at some solar thing randomly, like without me introducing him. And the yeah. friend came back. He's like, we got to hear Jason. I was like, all right, let's hear Jason out. So <laughs> then we wow. started talking with Jason. And, and it was basically there's a there's Solar Integrated Roofing Corporation. Mm-hmm. It's a publicly traded company on like the, the pink slips or pink sheet stocks, whatever. So yeah. it's like... Low regulation, but it is public. Yeah, um, they did like fifty million the year before, and this was, you know, right out. I think this was like April or May mm-hmm. when we started talking, and we had done year to date five million in revenue, mm-hmm. which again with solar is not a ton. I mean, it's a decent amount, but like between is, is that five million in like gross profit or is gr- that five million just retail? gross? No, I mean even retail. retail. Okay, so we're they're counting because they they just purchased an install installation company, so it's like if you guys. If they own the sales the install, then and the install, the whole thing. then you're counting the whole thing. So that's what they were worried about. Like, oh, we could pick up you guys. We could pick up J. I I mean, we could pick up Jason's and, you know, double our revenue maybe. Yeah. Pick up you guys, gain 5%, but with, but provide some structure with Jason's uh, So company. companies do that because, well, one, you had probably the most efficient back end out of everybody in mm-hmm. that transaction, right? But two... Uh, then, then your purchasing power increases, your mm-hmm. costs go down a little bit, you know, you can start shaving margins and it doesn't even, the company you're buying doesn't even necessarily have to create this huge net profit, which it did, uh, but if it gives you that- They were after that revenue. They, they were after, after the, the, revenue. Re- the revenue to drive stock prices higher. Yeah, absolutely. So 
same thing like i again i kind of ignored them the, the first two times because i'm mm-hmm. like why would you want to buy a sales company yeah you know like what do you mean you got you got dudes yeah um but i also didn't see really the value of what we built mm-hmm. on the back end and i'm like what yeah actually we do have a full team that's like I'm, I'm not going to these meetings anymore. Like yeah. it's running. You're dialed in. Yeah. It's, it's running. They're, so, they're dialed in. Yeah. So it, it uh, that's kind of how it came to about, came about like, okay, well, okay, let's do it then. So he bought us and then he sold to the solar integrated roofing corporation. I mean, like within a week, both transactions yeah, happened. That makes sense. And then we plugged into that. Um, there was two other companies involved. So there's kind of like four solar companies combining into one mm-hmm. under future home power. That was Jason's company. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of them had like, you know, at least one or two admin people. And I mean, the transition was as rough as they come. <laughs> so, but at that point, you know, I was kind of yeah. like you sell it and then you want to implement and keep going with everything you're doing, uh-huh. but there's an organization piece. And then now you, now you don't have control. Right. right. And so it definitely didn't turn out like how we, how we thought we would as far as keeping it going, keeping it yeah. going. Um, but again, I was like, I, I mean, I stuck around, tried it. Like okay, what's the new org chart and kind of push that? But I, we were just on the, a different page and they were more like yeah, sell, sell, sell. And I'm like yeah, we need to sell, but let's there's organize, organize, organize. Like that's what there's a reason you bought us. us. Yeah, and it seemed like they never really used it, but uh, they so, got the, they got our revenue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so was there an exit plan? What was that? Was there an exit plan for you? I mean, typically that's what happens with, when when another company buys you. Uh-huh. They're like okay, we want we want to keep you on yeah. for six months. Here's your salary. Here's this, but you can't do any of this, you know, yep. non-compete. So that's exactly what it was. And, and, and a lot of it was based on, cause it, I mean, it was a public company. Like yeah. Yeah, I can go buy their stock. So it was actual real stock. And I'm like, I don't trust stock. Yeah. I'm like, but if I'm going to trust stock, maybe, maybe this one could be the one to trust. Okay. Because you can, it's actual stock, you know, the, all these like, Oh, we're going to sell at some future date and you can have X percentage of the company. Right. Right. Like they that, may, those, they may never plans. go public. Yeah. Um, but this one was already public. So I'm like, okay. So a lot, you know, we were getting a percentage back of gross revenue and stock, mm-hmm. and then it, anyways. So I kind of looked at it like I was already, I was already doing my cookie stuff. You know, they they would give a, a, a decent salary to mm-hmm. kind of keep the lights on, right. but you're getting paid based off of revenue. Mm-hmm. That's about what we were getting paid anyway. So it's like, yeah, this is a, a good transition. So what I wanted to point out is that Bennett turned his company into something that is attractive to sell. He made it attractive in ways that weren't available to the company that was trying to buy them. See, what do you bring to the table? In Bennett's case, his company brought these systems and processes to the table. The other company did not think of at that moment. So it was very attractive for that company to acquire Bennett's company and, and, for Bennett to be able to sell that so he can take that money and move on to something else that he actually wanted to do. Um, the next person that I wanted to highlight on this best of episode is going to be Mr. Patrick Bolaños. He is a great dude. He's the trailer truck king, and he's based out in Houston, Texas. One thing that he is very known for is selling the dream and fulfilling the dream. And I'm going to let him talk about how he did that with his team uh, going forward. Let's take a listen. I know they can do 12 mm-hmm. at a minimum. If they do 12, they're making over $150,000 a year. Beautiful. My lead, my best salesperson right now drives a Porsche. Mm-hmm. I told you guys this in the plane yeah, as well. Yeah. He, uh, he one day showed up. Uh-huh. 
after driving like a freaking old Mazda, I don't know. Yeah. So it shows up in a Porsche Panamera. It's like, damn, dog, a that's, a, that's a beautiful car. Yeah. But the most fulfilling part for me was knowing that his mindset was in the right place and he thought of himself so highly, like he was so confident mm-hmm. in his abilities, Darn. in his belief that that car for him just levels him up. Yeah. I want them to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So So there's two schools of thought, right? As a sales manager, an owner of a business that has a sales team. And the, the one school of thought is, I want you to go out and lease things you can't afford and buy things you can't afford, right? Because mm-hmm. then you're going to be here every day trying to pay for them, yep. right? Yeah. The other school of thought is... Like, you deserve that because you worked your ass off. You know what I mean? And I got to imagine half your sales meeting is product knowledge, sales training, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I got to imagine the other half is mindset. Yep. And teaching them everything we learn in these conferences and bringing it back to them. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, what are we we paying all this money for to be part of Apex, to be part of, I think you're in Avengers. Yep. Right? And uh, the other things that we go to and we do... You know what I mean? Like winning the closure contest. Mm-hmm. Congrats on that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we got to sell that dream, dude. Yeah. Fuck yeah. We got to sell that dream. Mm-hmm. So part of selling the dream is getting that sales part for me, uh-huh. selling them in the dream on how far they can go too. I want people that want to go as far as I want to go. And my dream is so big, they're going to fit right underneath that. Imagine if you told him on day one that, hey, you're going to, from, from working, how, how long has he been there? He's been three or four years. Okay, He's been with us years. for a while. Yeah. They, one of these days, you're going to buy a $100,000 car. He probably didn't believe it. Yeah. If I would have told him three years ago, he wouldn't have believed yeah. it. Hell no. No, he wouldn't have believed it. But I, I kept telling him, bro, my guys, because we got salespeople and we got, mm-hmm. we got people that work in the warehouse. Yeah. They would work outdoors. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been in Houston in the middle, in oh. the middle of summer, bro? Dude, he was... The humidity is insane. And work on a fucking trailer that gets to like 170 degrees inside. And on, not in, conditioning no, yet. not yet. What if it's not? Yeah. What if the yeah. AC is not in there yet? Yeah. It, it can it can rock you, and say, "Fuck, why am I doing this?" Yeah. But I would go out, one participate in what they were doing, right, to see us out there, right? Because mm-hmm. I can't be sitting in my office and AC all day while they're right. fucking getting their sweat down. Yeah. Right. Um. But part of my job was to walk around and let them know, hey, guys, this isn't it for us. Yeah. We're not going to, you're not going to be working underneath these conditions very long. We're going to have a warehouse. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a warehouse. We're going to be comfortable. You're going to get paid more. And you're going to go farther in life. You want a house? We'll help you buy a house. Yeah. You want to improve whatever you want to improve. You want to learn English. You want to, you want us, because we have, um, we have some guys that, you know, they, their English is really bad. Yeah. Because there's a lot of uh, Hispanic community in, in, in the Houston area. Mm-hmm. And they're here and they want to improve themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to help them. Mm-hmm. And we're going to help them do that. And they stuck with us. The people, the ones that have stuck with us mm-hmm. for the, since we, there's a lot of people that have left. Yeah. But there's five guys that core have guys. been core that production been, guys yeah production guys yeah. that have been with us for, from the beginning mm-hmm. these guys are making six figures easily wow and uh we sold them on the dream every single day and they stuck it out and they stuck it out and they mm-hmm. then i showed them because i can't sell the dream right 
for a while and then mm -hmm. not really produce what I told them we were going to do. Yeah. Right? So you're bringing up a really good point. Uh, one of the things that I talk about a lot is operations. Mm -hmm. Right? And uh, a lot of the sales company I work with don't own, own their own product. Right? right. But you you own your product. Yep. And so that's a big part of it is you hire the sales team, mm -hmm. you get all the sales numbers up, mm -hmm. and then you're not, you're not, it's not selling the dream to your production guys. Yep. So they're not invested and they're not giving you their best and they're turning over. Mm -hmm. And so your operations are shit. Your yep. fulfillment is shit. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so kind of going back to spending the money on development, mm -hmm. if all we did was spend it on ourselves and we didn't take it home and give it to our people, yep. then to me, it's almost wasted. There's nothing you know better I mean? than writing bonus checks, bro. Oh, hell yeah. There's nothing better than writing checks. I even did a post about it, I think about a year ago. Uh -huh. Our bonus checks... Like, because we, we give Christmas bonuses, we right. give monthly bonuses. Right, the Christmas right, right. bonus for 2018-2019, uh, I mean, fuck, I wish I could have been bigger, but it's 2019 fuck i wish it could have been bigger but yeah but it wasn't. Mm -hmm. But then in 2020, I had a stack of checks about this, this yeah. big, and I signed them myself personally. Yeah. And I wrote a, a personal deal. note myself to every single person that got a mm -hmm. Christmas bonus. And so that, for me, is the most fulfilling part from... One, seeing the success our salespeople are having, and then seeing the success that our operations guys can have, too. Yeah. So it's one big circle. That's beautiful, It's really man. cool, man. Yeah, that's awesome. So selling the dream and fulfilling the dream, it's not enough to just tell your team, hey, this is what we can do. This is what can happen. It's, it's, it's creating that, that sell for them and then actually going out and fulfilling it. Uh, another thing that stood out to me was the investment in the team and helping them to grow and to develop. He was talking about people wanting to just better themselves in general, not just in the uh, the company that they are at, but they're as an individual. They wanted to learn English. They want to buy a house. All that investment in his team has built something where people don't want to leave and they are constantly being developed and grown and then they actually produced the results of that dream that they were selling they fulfilled it completely um he was talking about his salesperson who is driving a porsche right now that came from a ratty mazda but he's now in a porsche that is something that if you don't have someone who's constantly behind you showing hey we can do this we can do this and then constantly showing you that yes we're doing it we're doing it there's there's steps that we have been taking and we're moving forward with it then you you wouldn't be able to do that but patrick made it a point to say hey i'm going to sell this to you and i'm going to make sure that it happens and that really stood out to me the next person that i want to highlight on this best of the year episode is going to be brian covey he is a us olympic former soccer player and he talks about being coachable. Let's take a listen. So the show's about building great sales teams. And, you know, we get into all different subjects, you know, because I do believe that part of building great sales teams is being a great leader. And then everything that goes with being a great leader, you know, and having that, that balance attack towards it. But you build out a team that does $2.5 in production. That's massive. You know what I mean? Even in the mortgage industry, right? Yeah. And so... Uh, I'm very curious, what are the, some of the ways that you focus on developing your team? Yeah, so this has changed over the last five years. So um, those numbers, just to clarify for people listening, that was when I just left Loan Depot a little bit over a week ago. And so I was there almost five years. We built that at Loan Depot, which is, as you know, I mean, 
top lender in the country. All of this had no presence. We started in a very small team. And what I identified early in that process was I understood my leadership philosophy, which is very much like sports, is the people that train the most, that are the most coachable, that put in the hard work. Those were the characteristics. Then I could teach them mortgage foundational things. I could teach you how to run credit. I can teach you how to have better conversations. All those skills I can teach you. But if you're not coachable, you don't have the work ethic, and you're not somebody that just genuinely loves to train and improve, it's probably going to be the right place for you. So I think clarity of who do you want to attract into your world and your life, I think that's the most important there. And part of our process was, you know, this, I think this is the way leaders today can up their game is realize, number one, you are not the sole provider and the only one that can care and take care of your team and help them grow. What I mean by that is let's get into the tactics. I brought in this year, and I will continue to do this, every month, someone that was going to invest in the team. And those could be coaches in my life. Like I'll give a shout out. Ben Newman's been doing a bunch of stuff with me and our group. And you bring in people that are experts. Let them pour into your team. Invest real dollars. Pay people to come in and coach your team to help you because you're not the end-all, be-all in everything your team needs right now, right. right? We had someone come in during COVID, and I think about during that season of working from home and that mental health side of things. That is not, even though my dad's a psychologist, that is not my true area of expertise. Bring people in, and when you build your network as a leader, they're still going to look at you and go, wow, Doug, you're the one that provides all of this care, the support, the communication, the information. You help me be a better me. Mm -hmm. That will stem down into your culture. And that's what we have been focused on. I think great leaders, if I really break it down, like I'm a huge Maxwell follower, great leaders are also the best followers. Mm -hmm. Right. And think about that. Are, are you following the right people? Do you have the right people in your corner? Do you have the right mentors in your life? Are you leading by example in your own growth and development? Look, this is what I, I know and believe to be true. The Brian of five years ago is not the Brian of today. I'm better in so many areas. I'm still falling short in some areas and I'm aware of those, but I'm constantly attacking that process every day. And I share that journey with our team. And so I think use what you have, share that with the group and bring people along the journey. If they are a part of it and they feel like they are a part of it, they will do things that you never could micromanage or beg or even pay them to do. People have to want to do it. It's like training. Like sports, if you have a passion and desire and a drive, you're going to do it when nobody's even asking you to do it. I love it. There's some massive alignment there too. Over the last year, we've kind of been adding to our opportunity structure. So, you know, we have different levels in our business on the solar side. You got your setter, your closer, your lead closer, manager, uh, VP of sales and so on. Right. And at each level, we have training along the way and we call it freedom training. Because our mission statement is we help each other achieve freedom. It's all over the walls. It's on our bracelets. It's on our energy drink. You know, And um, how are you going to be able to do that if you're only focused on business success, right? So we bring in, like you said, you got to bring in the experts, you know? And so we brought people in on mindset. We brought people in on meditation because millionaires meditate, right? We brought people in on health and fitness, uh, on uh, building wealth, you know, how to open up an LLC for our new people, stuff like that. And so what we do is when we bring them in and we pay them a fee to talk to our team, we record that training that they do. 
And then it becomes part of our uh, systematic training as they move up in the company, they get this, this training that we recorded months ago, you know, so that's one of the ways we get an ROI out of that, you know, $500,000 fee, whatever we paid them to come and speak. And so that's one of the ways that uh, we're doing that. And then the other piece that you said was make them a part of it, which aligns really well uh, also, because if you look at a lot of our, um, our SOPs and our training that we've written at the, at the bottom, it, it says created by, and you'll see like, you know, myself, my VP of sales, Wayne, and then every now and then you'll see like a manager we used to have that even if they don't work with us anymore, we still give them credit down there that they had an input in that process, you know, like a train the trainer or something like that. And so I believe in both of those things a hundred percent. I think they're massive for, for sales team. The part that stood out to me there is being coachable and you aren't the end all be all for your team. Bring in people who are experts in something so that way they can impart that wisdom. Um, one thing that we do here at Argenta is we have a weekly company call every Friday. Um, it kind of ends the week and also kind of gears us up for the weekend and the start of the next week. And during those weekly calls, we have several guests who come and they talk to us. Um, as Doug mentioned there, uh, we had a guest who was talking to us about uh, meditation. In my last episode, we, I talked about Linnell Beckles. He actually came and talked to our team. And there's various others. Having someone who can come in and share their expertise with your team also goes into that development that we talked about with Patrick. And then also it makes your team and your, your company attractive because you've now built this culture and you have people there that are going to expound on that culture and take your company to the next level, which anybody who is looking to buy it is going to see that and want to take their um, assets to the next level as well. The last person that I want to highlight is Robert Frederich. Um, he is one of our fastest growing episodes on the channel because he is a wealth of wisdom. He is a special or former special operations officer, and um, he's also a writer. And uh, one thing that was really, really good to me, as well as to Doug, and, I, and I'm sure anybody who is um, privy to listen to that episode, and which I'm going to share with you now, is this concept of the book and the pen and i want you guys to listen to it and uh, take some notes if you can because i think it's super impactful writing is incredibly important right now because it's it is it's a unique art because so many people just want to put the video in front of them and do this it's become this like where video used to be the rare thing that people would do now it's like so common then when people actually write they take the time to put a good story together um people take more notice and they appreciate that more, you know? So I know that you've dabbled in some creative writing in the past. What, what got you into that? Well, I went to Walter Reed uh, national military medical center for, I had su suffered a traumatic brain injury back in 2019 and I went up there to their TBI ward and they do creative art as a form mm -hmm. of um, therapy. And I've always just been good with words and poetry even back you know in grade school and um it's it's funny because in our line of work like when you leave a command we'll give you a paddle and it, on the front it'll have like the dates of your service and you know some memorabilia and things but if the people really liked you if you flip it around to the back there's a roast there's like a slam poetry on the back and i <laughs> And, it, and awesome. 
and it's usually brutal and it's funny and like we'll we'll get together you know outside of work a barbecue or a restaurant or bar or something and we'll just kind of it's like a roast you know to say goodbye and I've, I've become the unofficial paddle roast guy everywhere I've been so it was just kind of natural like but what the first story I wrote was called the book and the pen and I, I my like message to the to the leaders of the military today is like these um younger servicemen and women like to them 9-11 was a something they learned about in history class you know what i mean they're they're 18 19 20 years old now so 9-11 is before they were born and they don't have this deep-seated conviction to serve and defend their nation like we did when you know i, I would imagine it's probably the same during pearl harbor right like yeah and so that's dwindling away, right? And at the same time, you've got they're they're smarter and they're more capable than we were when we joined, right? Mm -hmm. And they're more informed. You know, they can they can fact check you with their iPhone as you're speaking to them. Yeah. Where when I came in the Navy, if I wanted to fact check my chief, I had to go like to a library and pull out a big Navy pub, and you know, like anybody got time for that, right? You just yeah. you you did what chief said because that's the way the military worked, right? Mm -hmm. Like that was it. And nowadays that doesn't work. Like the younger generation wants to ask why they want, they want to know why they want to be informed. And so it's like, how do you take an like old school? It's kind of funny that I would say old school, but <laughs> like, like older wisdom that I learned and like translate it in a way that they can understand. And then it's like uh, Jennifer Aniston in the, um, in the breakup with Vince Vaughn when she's like, I want you to want to do the dishes, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, if, like for me, when I was a young sailor, I showed up to a meeting. I didn't have a book and a pen and an old crusty chief shoved one into my chest with some colorful language and told me, don't ever do that again. And that was it. I've never gone to a meeting without a book and a pen, right? Like that's all I needed. But now, now they're going to say, well, why? You know, yeah. why, why? And so the book and the pen was a, a story about how it, it forms a key and it, that book and that pen is, is the key to your future. Right. Mm -hmm. And the metaphor is that like the book and the pen are just separately two items. Right. But when you put them together and you use them, they form a key to a door that is going to open up the first of many doors on your path to success. But you can't open that door, right? The only thing that you can do is make the key and someone else has to open it for you. And why it, why the book and the pen is important is if, if you just show up on time in your uniform, shave, have a haircut, you know, the basics, right? Show up, be a good dude. Or, and you have this book and pen and you write everything down and you check it throughout the day. You know, you'll, you won't forget to do anything, right? Before you go home, check it be like oh i forgot to do that do it and then over time what happens is your leadership starts to notice that you're dependable right they see that you you give this um presence that you're committed because you're always there with your book and your pen right and then you never forget to do anything because the book reminds you not and you don't forget right so then you become dependable and once they see you as dependable that's when the trust starts to form and once they trust you, that's when you turn the book and the pen into a key, right? And then what happens is an opportunity is going to come along, probably more in the military than the civilian world, 
uh, a short notice deployment, a high value school, you know, good orders to Italy or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to pick somebody to go and, and they're going to pick you because they trust you. Right. And they're going to take the, that key that you've made now with the book and the pen, they're going to open up that door and send you through it. And then you're going to show up to the next door. Your reputation is going to arrive before you. They're going to assign you bigger and better things to do. You're going to crush them because you, you know, every day you still have your book and your pen and then you gain knowledge, you gain experience. But if you, if you trace it all the way back, you know, you're competent, you're confident because you're competent. You're competent because of your knowledge and experiences. You have knowledge and experience because of your opportunities. You were given opportunities because people trusted you. People trusted you because you were dependable. You were seen as dependable because you always had a book and a pen. So at the very core of why you ended up in this position is because you started off. And so my intent is like to give that to the younger generation, whether it's your first day on the job at McDonald's, right out of college, boot camp, mm-hmm. whatever. Because people always ask me, like, what's the key to success? You know, you, you made it high in the enlisted ranks and in, in the special operations community. And I'm like, well, there's really no it's it, the answer is not as glamorous as you think it is. Right. Just be on time with the right uniform and equipment and have a book and a pen. Like, just start with that and everything else will start falling into place. Book and a pen. That is super powerful. Turning yourself into a reliable person, turning yourself into a trustworthy person is going to open up doors for you to get to where you want to go. You've created a key that you cannot open. Let me rephrase. You've created the key to a door that you cannot open. You have to hand off that key to someone who can open the door for you. But that does not happen if they can't trust you to do what you say you're going to do. They don't see that you are capable of doing what you uh, say that you're capable of doing. And all that starts with you having a book and a pen to take down notes to keep yourself reminded of whatever you need to do so that you don't lose track of what's going on next. I think all of these are great ways to start the year. These are great ways to start the year because it turns everything that we've been talking about for this past year into something that you can start today on January 2nd and getting your business and your personal life where you want to be at the end of 2023. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, we appreciate your time. Uh, Please go to www.buildinggreatsalesteams.com. Again, that is buildinggreatsalesteams.com. Sign up for our newsletter so you can be kept up to date with everything we got going on here at the BGST podcast. As always, it has been your man, Ryan, and we will see you next time. Let's get building. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to execute on what you just heard and let's get building. As always, remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts. You can also head on over to buildinggreatsalesteams.com and sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast. See you next time.